Hello and welcome to The Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we are in the third play, Serviceman, and the first act called Brussels. And this is scene two, titled 77 Points. And it begins with Michael, the narrator, who is Stanley's son. The Army Air Corps operations continued throughout the spring and summer. Now it's September 1945. The Pacific Front News has shaken the world. The Japanese surrender is official. The Army Air Corps, flying two B-29 Super Fortress Boeing bombers built by Martin Manufacturing at the government's Omaha, Nebraska plant, delivered devastating weapons on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan. The Enola Gay B-29 dropped Little Boy, a uranium-235 nuclear fission bomb on Hiroshima on August 6, the 45. The boxcar B-29 detonated Fat Man, an implosion nuclear bomb filled with plutonium over Nagasaki, three days later. The scene is a small, noisy bar filled with G.I.s and has Stanley and John Sherry standing at the end of a long counter, drinking semi-warm beers, smoking lucky strikes, and considering their respective futures. They are desperate to get home and begin the rest of their lives. And Michael continues, Stanley and John Sherry, no longer concerned about shipping to the Pacific Theater, had been living in a tent city known as Lucky Strike at the port of La Havre, France. They've been waiting and moving over months for their final orders to ship home. These 125 days, filled with nothing beyond wondering what the future holds, have these warriors on edge. VE Day was May 8th. Four months later, in late September of 45, and now at Le Banque, France, many men are stuck in Europe, lonely and without mail, as they shuffle through parking landscapes for Allied forces. The United States Army's incompetence convinces Stanley that his idea for a military career is over. It was, for him, no longer this man's army. The difficult truth for these men is that those without the service points to ship home will remain in Europe with the American Army of Occupation. The cut line is 75 points. The Silver King has 77. He will go home. Michael reads from a September 19, 1945 letter that his father wrote from France. My dearest ones, now that I have completed the circuit and am once again residing at my origin, I feel safe in saying once again that I am on my way home. I am leaving tomorrow by train to Antwerp, where I hope this time I shall board a ship. They have assured me that it's the real thing this time. I pray they be right. Our mess has caused quite a commotion among the higher-ups, and our predicament is known all over Paris. 
Some one person is definitely responsible for the fiasco through his own carelessness, and we have been made to understand that he will be punished. Though that isn't too much consolation for the less fortunate among our group of lost sheep. Just as I wrote you, the unit was screened. Men with 75 points and above are leaving tomorrow with some sort of priority. Thank God I have 77. As yet, nothing has been said what will happen to the others, though the general opinion is they will return to Germany for occupation. It is indeed a low blow to them. For instance, one of the boys from Birmingham with whom I had become good friends only has 53 points. He is worried and has a baby whom he has never seen. I really feel sorry for him. He's been a swell companion, and I had looked forward to traveling with him. He is Jake Ziegler. Perhaps you know his father of Ziegler's Sausage. If all goes well, I should be in New York about the second week of October. This is purely a guess, so don't go rushing to New York. I might not even get into the city. Stay home, and I'll call you from the first phone I find and let you know all the details. I pray you're both well and happy. God forbid that anything has happened and you couldn't get in touch with me. I've been fine and only thinking how grand it will be to be at home and a civilian. Give my regards and love to Ida. I love and miss you, Stan. As the lights go up on this September scene, our hero, the king, and his best war buddy, J.J. Sherry, are angry. And Stan begins, J.J., I am done with this man's army. The incompetence defies description. It's bizarre and so unfair. And J.J. to the king, I get it, king. We've done our jobs. And I'm definitely not career military material either. My family would never approve an army idea. I miss them so much. It's impossible to imagine being away from them ever again. And the king, I understand your feelings, J.J. I miss my folks and sister Leona. I've never seen her kids and hope they inspire me to have a family. I've been thinking about them and the States and Chicago and a possibly different life. And J.J., looking inquiringly at the king. What's on your mind, king? And our hero. I've been thinking about my Thanksgiving week trip. I've never told you about it. My orders upon return to the unit were to never talk about it with anyone. Now I can. Our war's over. J.J. responds, Damn, King, you must have worked hard to keep that week a secret. We're in September. It's almost a year ago. And the Silver King, bemused a bit, I did. It was amazing, almost a dream sequence. You remember when Glenn Martin toured the Shreveport Depot? Sherry, of course. That was an amazing encounter. 
How it happened remained a mystery to every guy on the tarmac. What's the story? And the Silver King. Well, after our cruise conversation with Mr. Martin, the CO ordered me to a meeting. I was certain it was a second chewing out for my mother's telephone call to him. No, I walk in and he tells me that Glenn L. Martin was impressed by our conversation and he spoke with General Arnold about a future trip. That trip turned out to be my instructions later that year to fly to Baltimore during the Thanksgiving week for meetings at Martin Manufacturing. My orders were to fly to London and catch an Air Corps transport flight to Washington and then ride a train to Baltimore. Mr. Martin's staff had arranged for me to stay at the Belvedere Hotel and managed all my travel requirements to the Middle River facilities and throughout Baltimore. And Sherry, my God, King, you and Glenn Martin? That is amazing. It seems so improbable. I agree, J.J., it was. Yes, and his mother, Minta, and the lead B-26 designer, Peyton Magruder, were part of that week. I dined with the Martins at their extraordinary Baltimore home and stayed at the Belvedere Hotel, enjoyed a few hours in the Owl Bar, and checked out the Charles Street Clubs, and spent three days working with the design team about possible plane adjustments. It was the most interesting week of my life, and even now it seems a remarkable adventure. Sherry, simply amazed, asks, and then what happened? And our hero responds, well, now I'm thinking about the GI Bill and engineering school and working for Martin Manufacturing. I want to finish my education and design airplanes. When I get to Chicago and settle into my early post-war life, I'm going to call Glenn Martin. I want to be part of a meaningful, interesting, important life. King, you're a smart and talented young man. Your Air Corps training has shaped you as an aspiring professional. I hope you make it happen. And the king to his best war friend. Thanks, J.J., I will. The Baltimore week changed my life. Now I can make it larger, more interesting, and find a new place in a different world. As the lights go down on this scene, Michael reads a June 9, 1945 letter that his father wrote from France about a month after VE Day. Dearest ones, another day with no mail, and it begins to appear as if we are the forgotten group. Things are bad, but no mail makes it practically despicable. Everyone is groaning and moaning about the situation. The colonel claims everything is being done to remedy it, but as yet, there have been no results. Naturally, it had to start a rumor to justify a reason, and it's really a lulu. 
It seems that when an outfit is slated to return to the States, its mail is automatically stopped 30 days before the date of embarkation. How completely marvelous it would be if only true. However, the colonel claims there is absolutely no truth in it. I'm deeply regretful to say. He claims to impress us that only six people know the future plans for the group, that they are top secret and consequently can't be divulged, not even to us to whom it most concerns. So your guess is as good as mine. I only wish the mail would begin again. Well, last Saturday night I was in Paris, slightly tight, and had a hell of a good time. How different my surroundings are now. No pretty girls, no orchestra, no bar, just the lonely four walls. And me. Indeed, not very exhilarating, to say the least. Luckily, three years ago at the time of my enlistment, I didn't know all of this, for I'm quite sure the Army would still be looking for me somewhere in the Everglades. You can certainly discount anything I ever said about remaining in the Army after the emergency. Truly, they couldn't make me a general to stay. I would not care if I had to stand in the breadlines for ten years. I would never see anything good about the Army, but complaining certainly won't relieve this situation. I only regret I haven't what it takes to take it in my stride. I was up early this morning for the first time in a long while. Tomorrow there is a big air review for some brass hats, so today we had to practice. That means I'll probably have to get up early again tomorrow. I don't mind getting up early, only it makes the day seem so much longer. They are long enough as it is, for it doesn't get totally dark here until around 11 p.m. I wish I could have been in the States today to see the Derby. Did Rose R. go up this year? I imagine she won either way. It's midnight here now, but it's only five there, so I'm still hoping they might broadcast it. I guess you're at the club tonight. Wouldn't it be nice all of us were sitting around a table having lots of fun? There isn't any news, so I'll confine my jabbering until a later day. Other than being terribly homesick, I'm fine and thinking of you constantly hoping you're well. Love to Ida. Tell her I'm sorry I can't make it for breakfast tomorrow, but that I'll dream of those hot biscuits. I love and miss you, Stan. As the lights go down on this scene, we have reached the end of scene two, entitled 77 Points, and this is the play Serviceman. And you are listening to The Silver King's War. 